And now, two old school guys talking about music and stories about their radio days. It's T-Man and John, the music freak. See, I figured we'd do this today because we actually have, or soon to have, on the show, two Tonys. And then if we can get John to change his name to Tony for today, that'd be great. I, if, I, if I can wear, uh, if I get to wear the cool glasses, I'll be the other Tony. We'd have a freaking group. That's what I'm saying. What's up, John? Hey, what's up, T-Man? You doing all right? Dude, I'm doing fine. I want to talk about, before we get to our special guest today, there's okay. a couple of things I wanted to talk about. Number one, I would love to say a rest in peace to Olivia Newton-John. It just happened a couple of days ago. 73 years old. She's been battling cancer since like 92. Yeah. And this was the fourth bout. And she's been private about it since like 2013 and it's just sad i did one interview with olivia she was supposed to come to jacksonville for a show something happened it got canceled Mm -hmm. but i did such a wonderful interview with her and nobody ever heard it (laughs) that's always we may have to play part of it on the show here but um, always the case but she was so sweet uh on the interview um it just it sucks it just sucks. I've always thought Olivia Newton-John was underrated as a singer because yeah. she was so beautiful and had that soft voice yep. where people just said, well, yeah, she's getting by in her looks, you know, especially those early country uh, crossover songs. Like, oh, if, if you not for me, you. If and... not for you. Have you never been mellow? Yeah. I mean, they just screamed 1973, 74 if you were alive at that time. Yep. But... And, you know, I wasn't l- listening to her voice when she was on TV. Uh, no. You know, 13. Hello. Hello. And then she does the physical video. Boing. Hello. And, uh, and of course, so all of her pre-Grease stuff, you know, some people don't even remember that even happened. I know. But that's what she ended up having, like, nine. She had nine gold records and 15 top 10 hits. Yeah. Or not 15, like nine top 10 hits in the 70s. Yeah. Puts her, like, behind Bee Gees and Elton John kind sure. of stuff. Sure, So she was massive even before Greece. Right. And I've just always, as I got more into learning about theory and, and vocal stylings and stuff, as I got older, the more I started appreciating her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, more than just a pretty face. Right. Because she really could sing, and I don't think she got the credit that I think she probably deserves. Now, it'll be like a Karen Carpenter thing where, you know, 10 years after she's gone, they'll go, you know, that Olivia, she really had some technique. You know? Really start appreciating, yeah. yeah. I think so. So anyway, yeah. yes, uh, very, very yeah. sad news, of it course. Is it a is sad. A crush for many people our age. You got that right. Yeah. By the way, uh, we're going to do some more misheard lyrics. That Those shows are so entertaining and fun for us. I, yeah. I hope they are for the audience as well. My neighbor gave me one. Ah, good. We're well, blowing it, the yard together and she throws one at me. Episode 17 will be misheard lyrics. Okay, great. Uh, one other thing I want to say before uh, we hit the phone here. For the first time in the existence of our podcast, we're going to go to the phones. Let's go to the phones. How about that? Um, I couldn't help but notice last Friday night, here's the difference between John Scott and myself now. Even though we are music freaks, we love all kinds of music. Well, I can do without the country, but he's big into country. Yeah, because you don't have much taste. Because he's been working it and getting paid for it for 30 some odd years. Certainly. Um, Last Friday night, I saw a picture of you. You're hanging out with a crew of uh, other radio folks. Uh, the show was uh, Keith Urban. Yes. So here's John on a Friday night. He's hanging out at the Keith Urban show. Where is Tony Mann hanging out? I'm in St. Augustine watching John Waite, Rick Springfield, and Men at Work. <laughs> Lord of mercy. I'll tell you what, man. Advantage John. Uh, No. Come on. Advantage Tony. Please. Please. Let me me tell you, Colin Hay 
He's the only original member of Men at Work. Right. He's the, the rest of really his kind of mattered. The rest of yeah, exactly. He did all the vocals. Songwriter and songwriter, yeah. guitar player, blah blah blah. He had a band. His band he has put together from Cuba, Lima, Peru, and Guatemala. Hmm. And the girl from Guatemala played a hell of a saxophone and a hell of a flute. Hmm. They were really good. I, I was. I was hey, I'd really like Colin. I hey. was really impressed. That's cool. I mean, he even played Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive. Nice. And wrapped up with Be Good Johnny. Nice. You'd have liked that. Uh, you know Johnny, that. Of course. Be Good, Be Good. I liked Colin. I really did like Colin. But I hey. was really impressed with Rick Springfield, not just because of the energy. The guy's yeah. almost 73 years old. Sure. And... I mean, they just rocked. That's great. And the ladies loved it because a song and a half in, he's taking his shirt off. I'm like, see? All right, right, number one, you're in Florida in August, okay? You come out wearing a blazer and a long sleeve shirt. What the hell's wrong with you, Rick? Come on, man. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Dude. Check the map. Yeah. Hello. Put put the map in motion before you dress. Put the weather channel on your damn phone. Do something. Get the app. Yeah, exactly. All right. Okay, but I just, I want to get all that out. How was John Waite while you're talking about it? John Waite was disappointed. Was he? I'll tell you why. He what? did 28 minutes. In 28 minutes, and every song started with Every Time I Think of You. No, he didn't do that. He didn't do The Babies Every Time I Think of You? Now, now, but here, he did Missing You, he which start, starts with the same line. He starts off with Change, Change. Which, which was his solo stiff from wow. Vision Quest, I oh, think. Geez. And then he goes into uh, When I See You Smile, because when he was in Bad English, that was a number one song. Oh, yeah, okay. Then he does a country song. Okay, it's just him at this point and his guitar player. It's like, where the hell did this come from? What did he do, Old Town? I don't Road? even know. I don't know. I don't even know what it was. I, I don't. He didn't say the name. I. I don't even know what it was. I met him in Nashville. Well, I met him. He and Allison Krauss were doing. Uh, you know, they had done the cover of "Missing You" or it was something with her. His hair isn't red anymore. And him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they were at Nashville. <laughs> Nashville. Yeah, which is a deli, a Jewish deli in ah, Nashville. Okay. Only place you can't get sweet tea in Nashville, and we go there. Stop it. But anyway, no yeah, sweet tea true, in no, Nashville. It's, it's an authentic New York deli. No sweet tea. No sweet tea. So I'm in Nashville and wow. I'm getting breakfast. I'm like, I have some sweet tea. And they're like, honey, we don't have any here. Wow. And I look at the guy that brought me a songwriter up in Nashville. He went, oh, sorry, man. This is an authentic deli. Wow. Yeah. No but, sweet but the good tea. News, but the good news, my hair and Allison Krause's hair touched at the booth. Really? Oh, buddy. Oh, wow. Yeah, Look a, at you. Touch you. It's a good life. I guess so. It's a good life, but not as good of a life as a man who lived an incredible life. The life of a thousand people. Dude. The the stories this man can tell. Dude, as, and some he can't tell. As, as Tom Petty once said, oh, the stories we could tell. Yeah. And if this all blows up and goes <laughs> to hell. Okay, this isn't an audition now. Think, Come on. I think John Sebastian wrote yeah. that song. Anyway, here we go. But look, look what's up. It's time to speak to a phone music freak. Yeah, he is. It's a phone freak. And, and, the, and this episode, we're going to entitle it, Get to Know an Industry Pro, Volume 1. <laughs> Tony Smith, how are you, sir? Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you guys doing? I thought he was going into Vietnam for a second yeah. there. Wait a minute. Yeah. The late Robin Williams is here. Well, and by the way, you're talking about John Wade, and I did work missing you. Of course you did. And, Tony uh, Smith has I worked everything. Those times with Mr. John Waite. He's an interesting uh, man. I think. I think. Oh, 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 an interesting man. That that has like some 
tone to it there. Oh, I <laughs> but here, Tony, Tony, <laughs> is this, Tony is the guy that's on the other end of these things. He's the guy between the yeah. goobers you hear on the radio right. and the artist you get to see and buy their music. It, somehow there's a conduit, and this guy is the guy. Tony just retired after 44 years in the music biz. Tony, what what's your resume? Can you go through your resume, what you did as far as being a record rep and what a record rep does? Well, um, I'm, I'm prepared, Tone, for this question because I, <laughs> I had to write across the paper here all the different labels. But what really got me into music was I was into radio. Yep. And I went to college at uh, University of Dayton. And at the time, they had a 50,000-watt FM radio station. The students were the DJs, and they had professional people, you know, sales, GM, that were not students. Yeah. And I got a job my first day on campus. And I moved up from receptionist to music director, and I actually actually put a guy from New York on the air in Ohio. Uh, but it took me three years to get rid of the accent, so they would let me be on the air. You go from a receptionist uh, to music director? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, was a, that was a quicker lip, leap than mine. No kidding, man. <laughs> well, back in the day, uh, I was one of the things I did was call the local record stores and get the sales yep. every week of yep. the top titles. Yep. Um, so, uh, I was into radio and lucky enough to get that job Yeah, and I met some record reps when I was at WVUD who, you know, came in to promote and we went and did a promo meal and, you know, they got me backstage and I said, boy, this would be a great career. Yeah. You know, so I, I ended up, uh, lucky enough tone about six months after I graduated, I got a job with a distributor out of Cleveland called Action Music. Okay. Uh, which was owned by Lenny Silver. You may remember Lenny Silver had uh, a, a label that included Johnny Guitar Watson and Jackie DeShannon. Okay. Wow. Of all things. Yeah. You know, that was one of the labels that we worked. Amherst Records. Diverse. Also Spyro Gyra. <laughs> wow. But okay. Johnny Guitar Watson, Jackie DeShannon, and Spyro Gyra. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But not to go on too long about, but anyway, Action Music was where I got my start in 78. And then I got, a year later, Polydor hired me. It was in Cincinnati still. Then I got Polygram. I ended up carrying three labels. Uh, RSO, Mercury, Polydor. It was a three-bagger, they'd call you back then. <laughs> wow. Uh, and then when that ended, I got hired by Capital, moved to Detroit. And then I got hired by EMI Regional, moved to Chicago. Then I moved to L.A. for EMI uh, and, you know, moved up the ladder there. Then they closed the label and Manhattan Records and Capital were the two big labels. I remember Manhattan that. Manhattan in New York yep. and Capital in L.A. And that's uh, when I went to Mediabase and started that. We get into that. Uh, and then Mercury, after that, 10 years in Hollywood Records, 22 years. Wow. What a career. So, what a career. That's crazy, right? No lie. No lie. So what what does a record rep actually do for the folks that don't out there that don't know? Well, it's different now than it was yeah. for all the years I did it. Of course. But, you know, our job was to get airplay. Yep. And uh, depending on the song and the format, we'd be focused on where we needed to go and the stations we needed to get and the airplay we needed to uh, acquire. And uh, a relationship's a big part of it, Tone. Of course. You know, I traveled a lot. I made sure I spent time with people. I went in when the concert tours went through to make sure the radio people and the winners got connected. 
And uh, that, to me, was a real big part of it. Of you course, know, the, the yeah. relationship part of it. Of course. And Tony, you know, let me tell you, I'm not think... blowing, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, but you definitely, without a doubt, were were tops in your field. And I mean, you just retired from Hollywood Records, like you said, and uh, your son put together a video. He surprised you with like a 25 minute video of all these folks wishing you well. And I, the most, the most, the, the thing that really stood out to me in the whole video was how much you play golf. <laughs> or how many people went to J.D. Hoyt's my yearly dinner at the yeah. Radio Conclave? Yeah, dude, you yeah. you played golf with friggin' everybody. Well, you know, it became a great way to spend time with people. Sure. Uh, because it's not just a half-hour lunch, you know. If you're yeah. playing 18 holes, you're with someone for four hours. And you're beating uh, them over the head with songs, right? You'd have artists <laughs> that were good at golf. <laughs> you're, you're just knocking them over the head with songs. <laughs> <laughs> if I make this putt, you're moving it to heavy. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, my game is terrible, but um, I think I'm fun to play with. And ironically, uh, both my sons and my wife plays too. That's great. But my older son is a golf professional. Wow. Um, okay. And my other, uh, my younger son's very good. I'm I'm not good. People often would say, are they really your sons? Because <laughs> your swing is so different and, and where your ball goes. But uh, uh, no, a lot of it was, and thanks for that, Tony. It was, uh, you know, a golf was a big part of it. Great meals and just a great time with radio and connecting artists. Yeah, well, you definitely, are, you have to have the skills of communicating and you had them. No doubt about it, because uh, you. you were very honest with me, and you were very, you know, just, you wouldn't come in and just knock me over the head and say, what the hell's your problem? Why aren't you playing this? You you never had that kind of attitude. We we were buddies before the business stuff, and the business stuff you handled just like a buddy. So, I mean, it was, it was very even keel. It was just, I mean... Uh, you worked, and, and plus you've worked so many labels. You worked so many songs. Some of the artists that you broke. Tell everybody who you you were dealing with at the time. You know, uh, it's interesting because last night my son put on the Shania Twain documentary. Yeah, and it reminded brought me right back to the time when we crossed her over. Um, but uh, the list would take a long time to I go. I know through it would. Tone, Just, but, yeah, and and John, but I think you know ones that stick out. Uh, certainly, we already talked, me and you, before this about Corey Hart. Yep. Um, Corey, Corey Hart. When I was with my first job, we broke George Thorogood. Tell everybody, you know, which, tell everybody uh, how, how your son got Corey Hart on your video. Boy, I, you know what? He reached out somehow. Uh, I think Corey now lives I, in the Bahamas and he got a message to Corey, and Corey was like, I'll absolutely do this. That's cool. A, a greeting. But, so uh, cool. You know, I, I, I can almost think about, like, the labels rather than the years, yeah, you know? right. My first job was, like, we broke George Thorogood. I also had a, my first hit I ever worked was I Go Crazy by Paul Davis. How about oh, that? Man, I love that song. What a great song. How about that? And the last song I worked that was a hit was We Don't Talk About Bruno. <laughs> wow. A little bit of a change there, yeah. Yeah, that's but, great, But though. in between, I got to work, uh, you know, amazing artists at Capitol, whether it was, uh, you know, Bob Seger or Juice Newton or Little River Band. Um, at EMI, those were big years with David Bowie and yeah. Corey Hart. Golly. And Talk Talk and Stray Cats. Uh, Sheena Easton, you know, just 
we really had a role going there. How was Sheena? Uh, Mercury, I was with all the great years of Vanessa Williams, Tony, 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 yep. Def Leppard, Bon Jovi, John Mellencamp, Van Morrison. Listen to this. You know, just uh, laundry I'm getting list. so many. Wow. But those are the great acts. And Hollywood was great because we really, we broke, you know, for, it started with uh, Hilary Duff and then Jesse McCartney. Yep. Demi Lovato, Selena Gomez, Miley Cyrus. Yeah. I mean, what a run we had. B.B. Mac. Uh, yeah, B.B. Mac thrown in there, too. I, and B.B. as well. That was the first song I worked at, at Hollywood. Oh, yeah. my gosh. You know, back here. Back so, here, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I've had, I mean, if you think about it, too, what a great mix of different kind of artists. No kidding. And, um, you know, I even... Back to the Polydor days, I was involved with Peaches and Herb and Isaac Hayes. <laughs> oh, and, wow. and Gloria Gaynor. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So. So how much how much uh, personal contact did you have with these artists? I know in the country realm, and I've been involved with you know I've been the music director here for a hundred years, and so I, I know there's a, a relationship. Is it the same in pop where where you do spend an inordinate time together? Because I know uh, maybe back earlier in your career that y'all maybe toured together or, or at least went to some radio stations earlier in the time. And, and how long did that? How long did y'all continue to do that? And did you do it up until you retired? No, you know what? Well, we certainly did in the last few years because of the COVID. Yeah. But we, up until two or three years ago, we were still running artists, new artists, to radio and trying to connect people personally and do lounges and, you know, and really uh, have that as a great tool to break an artist. But I can remember even with Mellencamp, you know, and he was a big star. But he wanted to do a promo run. We'd bomb into cities, do a surprise concert, and and bomb to the next town. So uh, whether it was, you know, jet-setting it like that or driving in a van with Allie and AJ mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and stopping in every market in Florida, uh, you know, it, it, it really was, depending on the year and the artist and the budget, um, but I, I don't know. And you guys may know more now if they're if people are back doing that. I, I don't know. In country, I know they are. We have a, we've had a few people come by. Some new artists, um, somebody on Kelsey Ballerini's label came through. We had we've had a few. They're, they're not breaking as much, but they're slowly getting back into it. Yeah, I think country was the label uh, was the genre that went out first before labels were letting promo guys go back on the road and right. promo gals. Right. You know, country was out there already. Yeah. You know, working it, and yeah. they, uh, Tony, yeah, they do a great job. Tony, the story of Mellencamp, he really hated Cougar, didn't he? You know, I worked I worked him when he was John Cougar Mellencamp and then John Mellencamp. Yeah. Um, but Cougar wasn't his, his Cougar was not, stuff. Cougar yeah. was not his idea. Yeah, that was given to him by uh, Riva. The, yeah. Yeah, the record. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, that stuff. Yeah, yeah. How was Sheena Easton you know, to work with? Oh, she was sweet. Yeah. She really was nice. She was kind of shy, and um, you know, I think she was taking it all in. It was it was quick for her. It was very fast. Yeah, when everything connected. But uh, she she was always nice, and uh, you know, I wish the last song I worked was a, a song with Prince called Sugar Wall. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Which we, we that, that didn't 
that didn't get the traction we thought it would, unfortunately. Well, we, we did it in, in urban music when we, Tony and I worked at the same station. Oh, we yeah, we played it to death. Out of that song. Yeah. Is that right? Oh, wow. yeah. It was big. You know, I think it's interesting when you're talking about some of these artists being shy, and especially in their first go around, uh, you're kind of the guy they trust and kind of lean into when they're out doing this stuff. Because when an, an artist, the ones I know, when they get on stage, it's a whole different person. And when they get off, it's, it's totally different. So in order for them to kind of get comfortable doing the offstage stuff about this business, you were probably people that uh, some of these new artists, when they were when they were new, kind of leaned into for comfort, you know? Well, for sure. I mean, I made sure that it wasn't all work, and I'd find out, like with Miley, uh, or I should say Selena Gomez, I knew she liked fried pickles. <laughs> so we'd, we'd find a place that made those, or... Uh, if somebody wanted time in the morning to work out, uh, you know, give them a separation from, you know, having to be schmoozing people all day. Mm-hmm, it was important, yeah. especially with new artists, because they put a lot of trust in you. Yeah. And even with the Hollywood years, most of the artists I had had a parent with them. Okay. Oh, you know, true. Yeah. It was yeah. Hillary's mom or it was Jesse's dad or Miley's mom. Um, and and you have to manage that too. Sure. With the parent, and they're questioning things. Yeah, with but, the stage, uh, the stage parent. Yeah, I'm sure that's an extra extra wrench that could be thrown in there. If you uh, yeah. don't handle that well. Yeah. yeah. I won't name the the father, and he wasn't in the picture very long. But I had a, a father of an artist ask me, "Why has my uh, uh, you know my child not won a Grammy?" Oh wow. And I was I, I was stumbled uh, over the answer for a minute, but then I said, "Well, you know, her time will come." You know, <laughs> and left it at that. Wow! <laughs> I didn't know what else to say. Did her wow. time come? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I had the feeling not, you'd say that. Yeah. Great. Not not in this case. Not no. in the yeah. No. So hey, I, I'm sure you've done a bazillion promotions with the artists. Any of them come like top of mind that really were your favorites? You know, a lot of it was if it was attached to a live music event. Okay. You know, like when Mellencamp, we went into Cincinnati. We went, we entertained some listeners on the rooftop at WEBN. And then later that day, he did a concert that he announced literally five minutes before at a bar downtown Cincy that was open and free. You know, once it filled up, that was it. Wow. Cool. And he, he got up there and said, you know, I'm your jukebox the next hour. What do you want to hear? Nice. Wow. And th- those, to me, were always, you know, the funnest because I, I love live music. And with these great artists, to have that, you know, small crowd and, and, and be, like, setting this up, it was it was exciting. In terms of other, you know, promotions, uh, trying to think, you know, uh, I'd have to give more thought to it, Tony. I mean, it certainly did theme promotions that didn't include the artist. Right. You know, whether it was, uh, we had an artist on Polydor called Bram Tchaikovsky. Oh, man, uh, Girl of My Dreams. <laughs> there it is. Gosh, I love that song. Love and that I did album. a promotion called Bram and Eggs. <laughs> oh, nice. Very good. So I had uh, all the winners got a satin jacket back in the day. Yeah, yeah. And came and had Bram and Eggs with Bram Tchaikovsky. Nice. Very nice. You know, when I could get a hold of a satin jacket, I felt like somebody. I did. You know, it was was funny. When I worked my one year in Daytona Beach on I-100, you may remember that station, Tony. Um, 
we had the Eurythmics coming in to the Ocean Center. They canceled the show, but before that, they gave us a shitload of stuff. I mean, it, we had satin jackets, we had albums, we had uh, collectible other things, and you can bet your ass I grabbed one of those satin jackets. I sure did. Had to. You know, I I had a Bowie satin jacket oh. that I had from the Let's Dance tour. Yeah. And some years later, Bowie was playing, I think... It was either in, in New Jersey, I believe, and my son said, can I take away your jacket? I'm going to go to the show. And he was approached by numerous people said, would you sell that? Would you sell uh-huh. that? I bet. I bet. But it was that was in the day. I mean, yeah. you know, we did it for all the big artists. Sure. It was, I don't know why we thought we looked good in those jackets, but, <laughs> and they wouldn't fit me anymore. Uh, no? For sure. Oh, I, you know what, Tony? The only jacket I think I still have that wasn't a satin jacket is my members-only jacket, and that actually still fits. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Please don't wear that, though, Tony. Come on, man. <laughs> I'm going to take a picture and send it to you, brother. <laughs> hey, Tony, I uh, I got to ask this question because, you know, you, yes, you even mentioned earlier how much radio has changed. Radio, it, 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 I mean, the way things are now in 2022, I mean, we couldn't foresee this really coming to this. But in 1995, things changed in the business when deregulation hit from the FCC. And what that means is basically uh, anybody could own several stations in certain markets, in whatever markets, and it really changed the landscape of ownership in radio. Do you think that happening in 95 or streaming that's going on now change the business what you know, what what, do, mean, we, what do you both. think changed more well i'll speak to the first the deregulation made it immediately more difficult for promotion people you'd go into a building let's say it was iheart and it was in tampa and they had four or five radio stations yeah where you used to go to the separate stations in yep. their location and work your music yep now you dealt with, you know what, let the hot EC play it or let the pop guy play it. You know, and, and it kind of boxed you in and didn't let you work each station individually. Yeah. And that was a turning point, not a good one, I felt. Yeah. Um, so that was an immediate impact that we had to deal with. And then, you know, the streaming has been really challenging because I think at first radio wasn't uh, – looking at the numbers and going, wow, you know, now it's such a key part of what they look at. Um, and it, it doesn't mean everything that streams a lot is going to be a hit, you know, but they, you know, they look at it and uh, they should be scared of it too, Tone, because sure. if people are streaming and they're not listening to the radio yeah. and they're loving the streaming and they're not going to go back to radio, that, you know, and you guys can speak to that. Yep. That, to me, is going to be an ongoing problem. How does a, someone in COVID from 2019 that was 16 and got into streaming and now is, you know, 19, are they suddenly, because the world's opened up again, they turn the radio on? I, I don't believe they are. Yeah. 
That's a big problem. No, it's it, diminishing returns, and it has been for yeah. uh, a long time, yeah. and it's getting that way. Uh, the only thing that we're seeing is that it really is uh, sparkling personalities that are giving people the companionship that you don't get with a stream. And, and but a lot of places don't do don't know how to do that. Really, well, true. I'm just yeah, I'm just anybody. I mean, yeah. either if you're in Portland or whatever, if you can still be entertaining to somebody and be their be their friend, right? Um, that's the one thing that's keeping a lot of younger people that that would be tied. To a little bit to radio, yeah. but that's just a yeah. whole. That's a whole big thing. Yeah. I know it, and and so the, the the smaller the radio personnel get, the bigger the clusters get. Yeah. That means the fewer the reps you need. Yeah. I mean, so it, it really all we always have worked together with the record labels. Yep. And now they understand. Hey, we we don't need all these reps to cover because all I got to do is go to New Orleans, or well, go to, not only that, but with with the way radio has been uh, kind of controlled from the top now. You know, the local programmers don't have the power. There's national playlists and mm-hmm. formats. Yeah. And, you know, that has really changed the landscape for promotion. I you bet know, it. if I you're not in with those top people, you're you're not going to get the look that you, you need, you know, for your music. And That's true. Uh, and speaking to the talent, I mean, are they, is radio grooming the next Superstar morning person, you know, uh, they're letting people go. They're not hiring people. No, I, yeah, that's why I have to work till I'm ninety. If they're, <laughs> yeah, but you they love the, it. They Tony. close the door behind me. They close yeah. the door. Well, <laughs> oh, it's true. Yeah, I mean, so that's what they're doing. They're they're going. Well, what do we do? Right. Because radio's always had this insecurity. Uh, always, they've always been insecure. When TV came around, they're like. Ah! Let's be TV. You can't. So all radio, when, when this whole streaming thing started, they first started going, well, let's let's do, let, let's do stream. Let's don't talk. Let's don't get our jocks to talk, and let's just be like a stream. Well, that's stupid. Like a jukebox. Dummy. Yeah. And they yeah. got over that quick. I mean, so really, radio's made a bunch of missteps to kind of do their own thing in. But I think... Um, you know, and once again, we're a damn pretty uh, resilient little group of people as far as the you know the medium goes. So we'll see how it goes. But it certainly has taken a hit. The first time radio really took a sufficient hit against competition was streaming, and all of it being in somebody's phone. Yeah, and not even have to look right. at the bill when you're paying for commercial free streaming. But Tony, I bet it helped you. You didn't have to mail things out, right? Oh my God, the mailing list, <laughs> the servicing, and updating the mailing list. Yeah. What formats? How much product to send? Oh, totally changed. Yeah, no? yeah, of course. That's true. I started getting a little bit more product during COVID because they couldn't travel. Yeah. And they still wanted their budget from the big guys, and so they would start getting stuff and send more stuff out to go. Well, we can't travel, so here have a beer maker or something. Yeah. You know, right. That kind of stuff. So Tony, when you worked for EMI, yes, sir. Did you work with Michael Martin? Radio Michael Martin or well artist there were no there were were there there were two I'm not sure because <laughs> I really didn't work with Michael I guess a little bit I did why do you ask about Michael well I ask with about Odyssey of course I ask about Michael because Michael always greeted me the way that you greet me saying yeah what up T how you doing T Michael is part of that story that Jay Thomas yeah. used to tell. When Jay Thomas would go on Letterman every uh, Christmas, he would tell that record rep story about being in Charlotte, North Carolina, or Raleigh, North Carolina. Charlotte, was it ways. Charlotte? Yeah. Big ways. Big, big ways. ways. Do you know that story about the, uh, them and the Lone Ranger at a remote? 
I don't, but it's funny you bring up Jay Thomas because I got invited to play in a, uh, here we go again, a golf tournament with him. <laughs> Imagine and, that. Uh, and, and this was many years before he passed. Yeah. And he was the coolest guy and a, a radio friend of his, John Fulham, who you may know that name, he was big with iHeart and with uh, Odyssey. And uh, he actually was the guy Tom Pullman credits for really shaping him. And uh, Jay was the MC that night at the award banquet, too, you know, telling his jokes. He oh, was yeah. great. Yeah. But uh, so you, I don't know the, the story with Michael Martin and him, but my, uh, Jay must have been real nice to Michael or uh, no, vice versa. It was, have... it was both. You've got to just we can't do it justice. And Jay, no. I got to hear this story yeah. on that dang reunion boat, that little river boat. We had a reunion uh-huh. uh, of uh, people who had once worked at WAPE and... I'm sitting at the table because the only guy I know is at the table. And the only reason that guy was there was to see Jay Thomas, right. old Boo Baron. And so Jay sits down. And you're right, Tony. I had the same experience. He was the nicest. And, and for me, being like a 24-year-old newbie in radio, I was just an equal, I was an equal at that table. Uh, you know, he wasn't big-timing anybody. And he was just awesome. And told. And he, he told that story that yeah. night. Yeah. Where a few years later, he ended up telling it on Letterman. And Letterman had him come back every year. To tell the story, you got to you got to look it up. Does it better than him? You got to look it up on YouTube, Tony. Uh, it's I will. Uh, Jay Thomas, David Letterman, and Lone the Lone Ranger, and the Lone Ranger story. Up. Yeah, it'll pop up. It's it's funny. It's I one was of the in great L.A. Stories. when he was on Mornings of Power. Okay, and found him to be just a phenomenal jock, entertaining mm-hmm. uh, every day. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, I, I, I love that story. I mean, Jay Thomas could have told that story, and I would have loved it anyway. But mentioning Michael Martin in the story, right. I remember Michael Martin. He's been gone for a, a while, and uh, Michael would, he was, he was a stoner, and uh, the story is just, it's you will find. Uh, a whole lot of entertainment in that story. I know you will, Tony. Yes, you you will about everything yeah. about the promotion it's, itself. It's just it's classic. The fact I just that a, late, a record rep was there. Oh uh, uh, yeah, I mean you you will you'll put yourself in that particular situation and say yeah, yeah. been there done that <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I'm writing this down because I am going to check it out. No, you, you need you to go before, you, too. before yeah. you head off to New York. Yeah, you today. got he's, the name dropper over here has to go to the doctor in New York City and he hates going to New York City, but he's got to go. Yeah. You think this is luxurious? I got to go on the New Jersey Turnpike. <laughs> I got to park in a thing called a park and ride. Oh. I got to go to a train station, go one stop to Penn Station, which is above, uh, you know, by Madison Square yes, Garden. Yes, yeah. yeah. And then I'm going to take a cab, not a subway, <laughs> to my final destination. And as the crow flies, I probably am going 35 miles, but I'm leaving myself two and a half hours. Oh Good my. God. I know. Wow. Yeah. So you'll be home just in time for dinner. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> I hope. Either that or my dinner will be in the driveway. Oh, nice. No, no, no. Nice. My lovely wife, Donna, is uh, the best. Absolute best. Well, Tony's living up there in Jersey, but you do have a place in Florida. Next time you come to this state, we need to see yes, you. Sir. We in, need to see in you. In person, buddy. Yes. Well, I would look forward to meeting you, John, and reconnecting with you, Tony. And, uh, you know, the business, it, end of the day, it is a small business, and it's so important to stay in touch with people. You've motivated me, Tony, to make sure I have my list of people I want to stay in touch with because it means a lot. We love talking about our career. Yeah. We love being in this business. Yeah. And yep. uh, it'd be foolish to just... Uh, 
you know, snap your fingers. Hey, I don't care anymore. I still look at the charts. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, always. I still listen to music. Always. And, uh, you know, you never know, you know, someone calls me and it's something I love, an artist I may love or a song I may love. Uh-oh. Uh, you know, Uh-oh. I, I wouldn't close the door entirely, Uh-oh. but I am going to look forward to playing more golf. And, well, uh, duh. Yeah. And, and spending time with the grandkids and all that good stuff. That of course. Cool. Okay, before we go, was there an artist or a song? Let's just say, was there a song that came out? Because I know y'all can't be in love with everything you had to work. No. Was yeah. there one song you thought, this is a this is going to just not go anywhere. I'm still going to work it because I'm doing my due diligence for the artist and the label. Uh, and it ended up being a much bigger hit than you ever thought it would have been. You know, I more see it the other way, John. Like, I remember... Uh, when I was playing How Bizarre for People by LMC. Oh, yeah. And they were like, really? I don't know. <laughs> and I ended up going on a, a Memorial Day weekend. I flew on that Monday to be at WFLZ the next morning to ask them to give me a chance with the record. And it was already heating up in the clubs down in Florida. And they did. And we had seven ads that week and ten the next. Well, end of the day, became an, a number one record. You know, and mm-hmm. that those are the stories I remember. I certainly worked a lot of songs that were difficult. That uh, there was one by Billy Falcon that I love, but it didn't go anywhere. Called Heaven's Highest Hill, right? Which came after Power Windows, and wow. uh, it was a song about his wife who he had lost, and he was telling his daughter where mommy is. Mm. And it was, you know, one of those, wow, you know, how can people not connect to this? Right. Um, But another one that sticks out is Give Your Heart a Break by Demi Lovato, because that record, you know, many times it could have, you know, fell off the chart. Like it was it was on shaky ground. And 33 weeks after we released it, it went number one. (laughs) Oh, wow. So we never gave up. Because we had enough information where we, you know, had research starting to build and, you know, but I don't know if you could do that anymore, with, with have a record be out that long. No and, kidding. And, and be able to make it, you know, right. maybe yeah. Dua Lipa, right, was, didn't go all the way and then it suddenly it came back, Yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I know in country it's a little longer shelf life now. I mean, Lee Bryce has the record about 10 years ago. Love Like Crazy was on the chart for 50-something weeks. Good God. You know, and I'm seeing a little bit more of that, too, maybe creeping yeah. in with everything. Because if people are looking at streaming and the streams don't change as much, uh, they're not as volatile as we could make the charts. Well, you know? I, I, know for yeah. a, I know for a fact that Tony worked Kate Bush running up that hill the first time. Yeah. The first time around. Unbelievable. The first time. And now it's back how many years? 35 years later? Yeah. Um, yeah. 36, 35. 35, 35. Yeah. Oh, it went to be 88. Was it 88? When was that, 85, 86. It wouldn't have been 88 because I, I left EMI. I started media base in 87, so it was probably 86. Okay. Yeah. All right. And I told you, Tone, on a separate call that we did promotions, we gave people uh, L.A. gear sneakers. Yep. Uh-huh. Um for running up that hill. Yeah, and great. we didn't get the record all the way. I, I always thought it was a great song, but talk about the power of uh, placement. With no kidding. Song, right? No kidding. In a you show know, on Netflix. Yeah. I have to ask you a question, Tony, because you you both are musicologists. Yeah. But I was there was a year I was at Mercury where we had three new artists each reach number one. In the 80s? Yeah. Uh, yes, sir. No, no, in the 90s. In the 90s. 
Mm-hmm. At Mercury? At Mercury. And I just named one of them, which Sh- was OMC. Shania Twain? No. Oh, okay. I'm thinking... She wasn't new when we got our power. Right. That's right. You, yeah, you, you got right. her after uh, we had her. Yeah, okay. Uh, and I, don't know the po- I don't know the labels of pop in the 90s. In fact, I'm looking at Hits Magazine, a framed cover of these three brothers on the cover. Oh, Hanson. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other one was a song that... Uh, John Ivey broke at Kiss 108 in Boston. In the 90s. And they only had one hit. Huh. Okay. I'll tell you what it is. The, the yeah. Cardigans. Oh, Love oh, Fool. Yes. Yeah. From Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, anyway, wow. that year sticks out because that was... Uh, that was a great song. That mm-hmm. was just one of those years you go, holy shit, three, oh, I'm yeah, sorry exactly. about my language. No, uh, you're good. Podcast. Dude, podcast. it's a podcast. Say what the hell you want. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> the, the one thing but the I, government yeah. doesn't have their fingers in yeah, yet. Yeah, they don't have it on us yet. Yeah. <laughs> Cuss while you well, can. Well, yeah, I wanted to mention that because that was just memorable. I still have stuff on the wall. I'm looking at it now. Well, you know, you're, you're so right with that OMC song. That was one of those, first time I heard it, I'm like, is this a coaster? Can I use that as a coaster, maybe, the CD? Because I was really... It was an odd... But it grew on me yeah. and grew on everybody else, obviously. Um, but uh, not to not to prove you wrong or anything, but according to the Billboard book, OMC went to four on the pop chart. On Billboard, but not... I'm talking radio and records. Oh, okay, radio and records, yeah. All right, yeah. R&R. R&R. They were, they were more... Uh, in tune to the radio people. They were definitely more airplay. They were, yeah. yeah. We had to get that three-point move tone and then hot report. There you go. That's right. <laughs> oh, my God. That's right. Please, you, know, you put it in hot this week. You know, come oh on, man. Leave, we we got to get into hot report. That'll really help. Yeah. That's oh, right. And then I came along with Media Base and, and showed people what the spins really were. Right. Yes, right. you did. And that was that was the wake up. Uh, that that wasn't easy to sell to promotion people. I bet. But the smart one said reality is is got to be key. If it's real, yeah, of course, real spins equal real sales. You know, like we got one or we don't. You well, know, back, back yeah. when you were with Polydor and Polygram, how did they how did they really do that with a lot of those songs? I mean, they didn't have uh, the spin information per se. How did they really climb the chart? Was it really sales? Oh, sales was okay. One of the parts of a job as a rep at that point was you would have to stop in record stores and make sure your product was there. Yeah. Oh, wow. Right. You know, because that was that was a big factor in requests, really, were the two. Yeah. Yeah. This was even pre-research days, too. Right. I know. I know. But it was, you really had to use your gut back then. Yeah. Yeah. You really did. Tony, and, I am know, so it, glad you shared this time with us, man. I, I, I tell you, your career has been extraordinary. And if you had to pick one of the jobs that you work, could you pick a favorite out of those? Wow. I, I tell you what, I've been lucky to work with so many great people. You have. And, um, you know, and especially uh, credit to David Leach at Mercury, Dick yeah. Williams at EMI. Yeah. And, uh, of course, God rest his soul at Hollywood, Justin Fontaine, as well as Bob Cavallo, who was a chairman, and Ken Bunt most recently, and Scotty Fink. Now, I've been blessed to have just worked with so many great people. I can't pick one as number one, you know. Right. They all shaped me, and I was lucky to have worked at all those stops along the way, you know, as well, Tone. Is Scotty you know, Fink still a is Scotty Fink still a Cincinnati Reds fan? I never knew he was. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, not a lot of us want to admit he it, was but you to know, keep hey. It under his coat. <laughs> well, you're not going to like me if you're a Reds fan, Tone, because I'm a Mets fan and we're taking care of business. Yeah, right I know now. you are. Shut the hell up, will you? I know. I know. You'll meet my Cardinals in the playoffs. Yeah, see, John, John's John's a big Cardinals fan, so we 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 butt heads a little bit on that, but that's okay. Hey, I look today. You're in first, John. I know, and I I couldn't yeah. believe it. You sweep the Yankees, yeah. and I wake up yeah. from that dream, and the next thing you know, we're in first place. And the Reds still what? suck. <laughs> Unbelievable. One thing you could do when you're retired is, like, I literally know who's in first in every division of baseball. Yeah, there you go. That's funny. There you, you go. Know, and I'm a so big Mets fan. Big, big, big. That is great. Yeah, we, uh, growing up, I had, we had the Mets AAA down here in Jacksonville in the late 60s. Yeah. So all those guys, oh, wow. all those guys who became the Miracle Mets, Nolan Ryan and Tom They were Siever, all here, yeah. And uh, Tug McGraw, of course. Cause of he course. Left, the, the legacy he left here in his stay in Jacksonville was his uh, son, his Tim. His son, yeah. Um, and so... Uh, 69 and 86. Now we're hoping 2022. There you go. Got, <laughs> yeah, Mets got a great team this year. Got a great team this Boy, year. Boy, they do. Everybody, Vegas, everybody, everybody outside of the Oakland A's is better than the Cincinnati Reds. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> So, you are a fan, though, Tony. Uh, I'm still. I, I don't know why I'm still a fan. I guess end. I really love misery. I, I don't know what it is. <laughs> you know who's a big fan too, Tony? Is John Kilgo of the Reds? Yes. Oh, I got to change teams now. Ah, Good yeah, God! Yeah, oh yeah. Well, he uh, he had race tickets always because he lived in Atlanta. Right. Of course. He said his team was the Reds. Wow. Who knew? So huh? I was actually on the air. I'll end you with this on WBUD in '76. Yeah. When the Reds swept the Yankees? Yep. And I opened the mic and I said, congratulations to the Reds. You know, I'm up the road in Dayton, Ohio. Yeah, yeah. And I said, uh, but uh, I'm actually in a New York state of mind, and I played Billy Joel. <laughs> ah, very good. Oh, wow. Nothing like bringing up fans and then pissing them all off. <laughs> Great. Way to go, Tony. <laughs> so, and now, now we know why he got into records. Radio anyway. yeah. That's why he got into records. That's got right. radio that's just it. after that. Right? Yeah, Tony, no he, sh- he retired out in the air at that point. He was done. <laughs> Before Billy was done playing yeah, the last note. he was done. That's it. <laughs> Man, this uh, on has a sidebar, not for the podcast, so you guys, you'll, you kind of put this together and I can hear it before it goes out. Oh, yeah, it's going out right now. It's going out today, buddy. We, we don't freaking oh. edit. Yeah. It oh, don't gotcha. Happen. Yeah. All right. You're good, man. We're you, raw, you, man. We just send it out. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to put exit on this, and then I'm going to load it into a Dropbox and send it to Tony, and then he'll put it up and on it, all the platforms. And then it's on the worldwide freaking web, buddy, on your Spotify. It's, it'll be right there. Now. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm ready, and I, and I think... Uh, you know, I, it'll be so awesome to play it for people. I thanks for the opportunity, guys. Dude, thank uh, you it so was our, much. Uh, pleasure, and really, when you're down here, man, come see us for he, sure. He needs to. I will, and and I'm going to work on uh, some of my artist friends too to get involved with your podcast because you guys deserve it. Oh, see? buddy, we appreciate see? that. This guy, I I don't care what they say about him. I like him. He might be retired, but he's still working it. Yeah, you know he's always going to be working it. Tony's eyes. He's always going to be working at this guy, Tony Smith. Thank you so much, <laughs> thank brother. You, buddy, we know you got to run, man, but thank you. All right, guys. Best of luck with the podcast. Thanks. And uh, health and prosperity to you both. Good luck at the doctor today, man. Yeah, happy doctor. Thank you. All right, buddy. All right, buddy. We'll see you. There's Tony. There he is, right Dude, there. Dude, he's he was just on the phone right there. He's just he's Tony's. a legend of record reps of record reps. You can say that name and anybody that you know that's a rep that oh, yeah. has been doing it any amount of time. It's kind of like Louis Newman. You can yeah. say these couple of names and they go, yeah. oh yeah, I know Tony. He's such a name dropper. I mean, but because he knows everybody. Well, that's the thing. It, it's you not know? done in the way to impress anybody. Yeah. It's no. just done in the way that that's my life. He knows everybody. He, you know, and when you're doing that and you're working yeah. that close to some of the big stars, you know, and it's it's a, it's a odd job because you are totally the most behind the scenes person yeah. 
of the whole business, oh, I yeah. think, is the guy, at least maybe somebody in the office that pushes you out. But right. um, yeah, it, it, it's an interesting job. And it, we find some of the most interesting people who work in that line of work. We'd love to have some more on, too. So we're we will. We're, we're, we're checking and, and stories, true. Every I know every every rep has a story. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and he's got a ton of them he can't tell. I know. He we'll, told me that long ago. We'll he's find like, a few. He's like, there's many stories I'd love to tell you, but uh, can't. Yeah. <laughs> because they're still alive and so are their uh, right. heirs. Exactly yeah. right. Hey, is it warm in here? Oh, you, I, 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 I'm you, feeling some you know, heat I'm going not, on over here, I'm John. Not, I'm not it's time for Rapid Fire. Yeah, it is. Hey, John, the last musical guest on the Johnny Carson Show was... Bette Midler. Very good. The backup singer on Glass Tigers, Don't Forget Me When I'm Gone. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. The other guys in Glass Tiger. No. Uh, Brian Adams. Boom. Okay. You got that. You thought about it, huh? Yeah. Um, the Four Seasons had two number ones, and they both lasted five weeks in number one. Name either one. Uh, December 1963. Wrong. They do have... That was a number one hit. Not for five weeks. Oh. Ragdoll, then. No. Sherry. Sherry is one. Okay. Yeah. Name a song you can remember with the longest intro. Uh, Color My World. Okay. About like 90% of the song. It, you're right. Is intro. But I wasn't thinking that. But that's okay. <laughs> the worst use of a song... <laughs> you asked my opinion? I you did. I'm wrong? No, I'm not saying you're wrong. Okay. The worst use of a song in a commercial is... Help! Selling Mustangs. As <laughs> soon as Michael Jackson bought those stinking rights, and he throws a stupid, no, stupid, uh, stupid. I'm going to tell you the worst one I've I, I, that I've heard probably in the last 20 years. What? It's on. It's airing right now. It's a damp rid commercial. A what? Damp rid. Stamperid. You hang it in your closet. Oh, and okay, it, and it rids the uh, it, dampness. Exactly. Damperid. That's the name. They're using. They're ripping off. Everybody Dance Now by CNC Music Factory. Uh-huh. Everybody Damp Rid. It's awful. It's so Ooh. freaking bad. Wow. It's awful. Yeah. The uh. worst I've ever heard. I'm like, you know what? I'll never buy your damn product with this ripoff because this sounds like total. There might be shit in my closet. You know, it, I know you're getting rid of the dampness, but come on. You're putting shit in the closet with this. Damp Rid. Damp Rid. Well, CNC, it didn't mind. Coffin, you know, getting I guess paid about not. ten grand to probably get that. Well, on yeah, because the song was out thirty-one years ago. I was ago. about to say the, pub- yeah. the publisher—they don't care. No, here, yeah, like, but it's, it's like, just so bad. Uh, is it? I've, I've, it's just so bad. I'd rather I've hear help it. in a Mustang commercial. Oh man, that was bad. <laughs> that was bad. They started. They started commercializing them Beatles songs. That really pissed yeah. me off. Oh, I know, dude. I yeah. know. I'm with you. Uh huh. Hey, we actually have a freak mail. Oh, do we really? We do. Well, hang on. We uh, have one. We might have a freak mail open. We do. <laughs> Our buddy Mike Whalen, he was the one that cracked the code for You Should Be Dancing. Yes. And he also had an interesting take uh, and a freak mail a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Or a couple of episodes. Oh, I, listened I, that, uh, I listened to that Bee Gees thing. That was cool. That was pretty cool. Yeah. We did the remakes uh, on our last podcast. Right. And he mentioned Would this be a cover if an artist covers himself? Would that be considered a remake? Yes. And then he brings up Todd Rundgren. He formed a band called Naz yes. in 67. Yeah. Hello, It's Me. Yeah, they did Hello, It's Me. It's the first song Todd Rundgren ever wrote. Yep. And then it, he said it's way, way different and pretty cool, definitely, of the time. 
Of course, it became a big hit in the early 70s after Rundgren redid it. Worth looking up. Oh, yes. I, I'm a, such a huge Rundgren fan. I had yeah. both of those. The three Nas albums, I know I had a couple of them. And I did have the one with Hello, It's Me. And it's slower. And the lead, Todd wasn't even the lead singer of Nas. And the other dude sang it. And uh, much more soulful to me with Todd. Tony Smith's already texting me. Did we do good? Oh, Did we do great. good? Damn, man. <laughs> Dude, you were you were great. You he were really was. Great. Tony That's did so a cool. hell of a job, and I knew he would. I mean, but but it's just it's so funny because when I found out he was officially retiring after 44 years, I was like, "That's the guy we need to get on our show," right. just because. Tony is just he 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 knows everybody like we said before but the 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 career he's had to be that blessed to be working artists like Corey Hart and Bon Jovi and Shania Twain and Sheena Easton and he probably worked Def Leppard for a little while too uh, even though, uh, well, yeah, in the eighties, yeah, he was or, or, no, he was with, with Mercury in the nineties. So maybe uh, one or two stiffs, maybe he worked. Um, <laughs> but I mean, just and then oh, with Hollywood Records, I mean, like the VP of the company or his oh, division or whatever. I Mr. mean, he's Big just Shot, huh? that's what I'm saying, dude. He drops names. He knows these people. He's right. not bullshitting. I mean, he knows these people. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, I mean. Uh, the the whole BB Mac thing I remembered that when they came to the Florida theater BB Mac I don't know why I don't remember yeah look B. up B. back here that was their first their no, first hit I don't, B. back B. here Mac. yeah look it up you're making up names I'm now. not making up anything was this Disney Channel stuff yeah that was Hollywood Records okay uh, and then uh, one thing that we didn't talk about I had but, to listen to that stuff because my I had a, my daughter wanted to listen to Radio Disney all the time oh yeah well, oh yeah I remember that see uh, there you go not that I care to yeah. But, yeah I remember <laughs> Yeah. Well, that when uh, when locally our St. John's Town Center opened up in 05, 06, uh, they did a free concert there in the parking lot at the town center, and it was huge. Uh, Tony brought in Jesse McCartney, and Jesse had the song that. Beautiful Soul Beautiful out Soul. at the time. Yeah, I remember that. Great song. Nothing but ponytails in that audience. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, they were screaming. They were just, they were having a ball. And that, But that day, the weather... For some strange reason, it was sunny as could be, but the the wind was like 40 miles an hour. And I didn't go to the show, but I met up with Tony and Matt Duffy, who currently works the Southeast. Um, they both brought in Jesse. And I said, well, you know what, guys? I'm not going to be able to make the show, but I'll, uh, I'll see you afterwards for dinner. So we go out to the beach and have dinner. And these two, and these guys and Jesse, I've got a picture of it. I'm the only one in the picture that's not windburned. All of oh, them have the, the red faces, big time red faces. Yes. And it, they they said, yeah, the wind was brutal, but we got through it. That's it, man. And uh, it was uh, that was that was pretty interesting that uh, that whole thing happened with Town Center. Yeah. That was really really cool. I remember that. Yeah. Yep. But uh, you know what? I think we're done. Are we done? I think so. Next week, are we doing misheard lyrics? Uh, we're we're going to do misheard lyrics next episode. Next so time again. You have any of those? Teamman and John at gmail .com. Please send them in. We're going to have a ball with it, like we always do, and it'll be on uh, every freaking platform. You know, Tony's a big Spotify guy. Okay. So that's why I told him Spotify. That's right. We are on Spotify. We're on Spotify. We're on Audible. We're on Amazon Music. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podbean. We're on... Uh, you're, you're making up a few of these, too. No, I'm not. M much like BB Mac. No, I'm not. We're on TuneIn. Okay. Uh, we're all over the place. Okay, cool. Wherever you listen to podcasts. Click it. And stick it. Yes. Speaking of old radio. Lock.
or rip the knob rip, off. Rip the knob. <laughs> Lock it in and rip the knob off. Party your buns off. It's the weekend. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> What's our email again? I always forget our email. T-Man and John I don't know. Just at gmail.com. What the hell is so hard about that? T-Man and John at gmail.com. I've got a lot going on, man. Yeah, I know you do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So what are you doing now? I'm just digging this groove, man. Uh, dude, there I'm telling you, like Patrice Russian should have made top 15. How it stalled to 23 is beyond me. And one of the greatest bass lines Freddie Washington ever laid yes. down. And he laid down a ton. Yep. Freddie was smooth like butter. He was. Man. Okay, we're going. I'm going to put on the extendo mix of this one. Are you? Maybe a two weeks worth of it. <laughs> It'll just I keep might still looping. be sitting here when you come back the next Great. time. We hope you're still there when we come back the next time. We appreciate it.